Hey, welcome back to the Run of the Mills podcast. My name is Mike, and this is Keeping Up with the King as we go through the book of Matthew. Last time we were in Matthew chapter 4, and I told you we were going to talk about something that we ran out of time talking about last time. And this is this portion here, verse 23 through 25. And I talked about the danger of springboarding when we take something we see in one verse and building theology or a belief system on that one thing, or drawing all sorts of strange conclusions from that one thing. And um, and so let's just read this and we'll talk about it a bit. Verse 23, it says, and Jesus went out, I'm sorry, when Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of diseases among the people. Then his fame went throughout all Syria and they brought him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments, those who were demon-possessed, epileptics, and paralytics, and he healed them. Great multitudes followed him from Galilee, from Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and beyond the Jordan. So we have this account where Jesus has begun his ministry of teaching and preaching and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of diseases among the people. And his fame goes out, right? So he gets, becomes famous, and people are now bringing him uh, their sick and afflicted, right? Which only makes sense when you hear that somebody is healing people and you have a problem. Well, why not go, right? If that that person has the if that person's healing people, and you've got a sick uncle, you got a sick aunt, you've got a bad leg. Well, you're going to want to go to them. It only makes sense, and we see that we see this happen that Jesus is mobbed by people for healing, and Oftentimes, I think it's at the detriment to what he's trying to do, right? He's trying to teach, and there are times where he withdraws from withdraws from the crowd in order to teach uh, his disciples, and and we'll read about some of that those kind of things as we go. Um, but I even I read a a devotional uh, this week. Um, I might just have it here. Let me see. I'll, yeah, I'll just read it because this is kind of what I'm talking about, right? This is what the guy says. Um, this is a really bad example. So he says, do you not know, or do you know that when Jesus walked on earth, more than two thirds of his ministry involved healing the sick? Now this is right away. This should, this should make you go, wait, wait, what? He says, when Jesus walked the earth, more than two thirds of his ministry involved healing the sick. Okay, there's a major assumption here, right? The major assumption, hopefully you caught it, is that the gospel account is all that Jesus did. So if you're reading Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you were to break it down, two-thirds of what happens is him healing. Well, the assumption is that what we're reading is the, I don't know if you would say the sum total, um, what you're reading is the typical breakdown of what he did. Now we know from the book of John that John says, look, John, what Jesus did, there was so much more to it. There's so much more than, than I could write. John even goes so far as to say, like, if I, if it was to all be written down, what Jesus did, all the books in the world couldn't hold it. And so what this guy is saying, he's saying, if you look at what we have record of, According to him, two-thirds of his ministry, according to what we have record of, was healing the sick. But that doesn't mean that two-thirds of 
all of his ministry was he healing the sick. I think that that's, um, that would be um, a bit of a stretch. Um, but again, this is what happens when you have uh, bad Bible teaching. He says, he went about healing the sick and all who came to him were healed. Now, this is another one of those common sayings that you hear people say. Everyone who came to Jesus was healed. Because the Bible does at one point say, you know, all who came to him were healed. But again, is it talking about that one, that one time or that one location that all who came to him at that one time uh, were healed? Or does it mean that everybody who ever came to him uh, was healed? Now, of course, then the next question is, does that mean that all who come to him today are healed? Because that's the next step that a lot of people take. They go to, well, if if everybody who came to Jesus were healed, then everybody who come to him today should be healed. Well, this is one of those problems that people often have is that then if you draw that connection, you say, well, everybody who came to Jesus physically was physically healed when he was physically on earth. And everyone who comes to him today should be physically healed as well. Well, what happens when you're not? What happens if somebody comes to him today and they're not? Well, I think we need to back up a step further because we say, wait a minute, does everybody who's sick in the Bible who's a Christian, are they healed? Well, we know that's not the case. We know that there's times where, you know, Paul tells Timothy, drink a little wine for your 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 uh, your frequent stomach problems, right? Drink a little wine for your, your frequent ailments. Well, why doesn't he just say, Timothy... Everybody comes to Jesus healed. Just go to Jesus. He, Paul talks about Epaphroditus being sick, you know, unto the point of death. Why doesn't he say, Epaphroditus, you need to repent and trust in Jesus to heal your, heal your problem. You know, um, Paul talks about his own ailment, right? His his problem that we believe was uh, most likely a problem with his eyes, judging from some of the things he says, but. He says, God says, no, my grace is sufficient for you. And so there's there's a lot of times we get these get into these problems when we build these big theological uh, ideas based on less than the totality of Scripture, right? So when we look at the whole Bible, is this what we're seeing? Well, no, clearly we're not. Does Jesus heal today? Yes, absolutely. Does heal, Jesus heal all who come to him? Yes, eventually, right? We're... Those people that are his, those people who are believers, they you're going to get a new body someday. But there, there's just this great breakdown that people say, well, you know, if you have enough faith, Jesus is going to heal you. Well, then how come the people that teach that don't live for, you know, live physically forever? How come they get sick? How come they get cancer? And how come they die? Well, because there's a problem with their teaching. There's a problem with their teaching. It's not a problem with Jesus. It's not a problem with their faith. There's a problem with their teaching. And so when we read this stuff and we read about, you know, just healing people of all different problems, right? People with various diseases and torments, those who were demon possessed, you know, epileptics and paralytics, you know, there is a, an account in the Bible of a epileptic, an epileptic who is tormented by a, a demonic spirit and Jesus casts out that spirit that, you know, often cast him into convulsions and would throw himself into like into fire, you know, um, to just torment this person. There are those times where we read about those people who their afflictions are demonically based, but not everybody 
not every sickness is a a result of some sort of demonic attack in fact we read that right here various diseases torments and those who are demonically possessed there there tends to be within certain um groups within christianity um there tends to be those who have these strange teachings on uh demonization and they start to throw in this thing of spirit of you know the spirit of drunkenness the spirit of pride the spirit of addiction they have all these different spirits and what they start to do is they start to blame all of these different things on demons like oh that guy's a drunk he has the spirit of drunkenness that guy is an addict he has a spirit of addiction that guy is you know he is lustful he has the spirit of Jezebel or he has the spirit of of Delilah or whatever they start saying all these spirit of things the problem with that is that well, the problem is this. When you read the Bible, you'll see that those things are not what the Bible calls spirit of. The Bible calls them works of the flesh. You know, works of the flesh are these. You read Galatians, read Colossians. You know, works of the flesh are these drunkenness, revelries. And here's the thing that, that happens. When you start blaming all these things on demonic things, you can say it's not my fault it's not my fault it's it's the spirit of drunkenness is this well wait a minute wait a minute the bible says no wait no this is a symptom of the flesh and so the problem that we often have in those groups when people start saying oh we you know we have to pray against the spirit of drunkenness we have to pray against this spirit that spirit is you're blaming something on the devil that you're doing Okay, you're blaming things on these spirits when it's actually a problem of your flesh. And it's neglecting to deal with a fleshly problem by trying to blame it on something else. And so I would encourage you, if you're one of those people that has been saying, well, oh, we have to pray against the spirit of drunkenness in this person who is an alcoholic. We have to pray against you know, the spirit of anger. We have to pray against the spirit of wrath. We have to pray against the spirit of, of lust. To go back and read your Bible. And see what the Bible actually says. Is it saying, hey, there's a spirit of, of drunkenness that we need to pray against? Is, or is it something else? I'm going to read you something from Galatians chapter 5. It says, now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery well, that's interesting hatred contentions jealousies outbursts of wrath selfish ambitions dissensions heresies envy murders drunkenness revelries and the like of which i tell you beforehand just as i told you in times past that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of god but the fruit of the spirit is love joy peace long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us walk in the Spirit. See, what Paul is saying there is that all these things are symptoms of the old man, the flesh, our old sinful desire. He's not saying 
we need to pray against the spirit of idolatry, the spirit of jealousy, the spirit of outbursts of wrath, the spirit of murders, the spirit of drunkenness, the spirit of revelries, the spirit of fornication, the spirit of adultery. No, he's saying those are your flesh. You need to put aside those things, set aside those things, put those things to death. And instead, walk in the spirit, spirit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. Walk in those things. Crucify the flesh, not pray against some spirit, blame some demonic spirit for the desires of your old sinful flesh. Anyway, hopefully that helps you out. God bless you. Hey, next time we'll hit chapter, Matthew chapter five. Woohoo! God bless you.